What's one big dream for your life that you need God's help to accomplish? What ditch might God want you to start digging today to turn your dreams into a reality? Well, let's learn to dig some ditches today in our second week episode of Elisha, A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Wills, lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, and as always, so thankful that you are joining us today. Uh, hey, we are in our second week of a four-week message series. Uh, we're looking at the Old Testament prophet known as Elisha. And if you missed last week, uh, we talked about burning plows, leaving behind anything that would keep us from following God and moving forward. Well, today we're going to be talking about some digging ditches. But before we dive in, I have a couple of things. One, uh, again, thank you just for uh, tuning in and downloading this episode. We, we appreciate your support. Uh, we could use your support in a couple other ways. One, uh, we could definitely use some prayer. Uh, just be praying for these, this uh, podcast so that we can uh, get the word out to as many people as possible. And as we are getting the word out to as many people as possible, that um, they are receiving uh, God's word and it's changing lives. That's our, that's our hope with this. And then another way you can support us is financially. Uh, if you are in a position that you can do that and then you enjoy this podcast and you would like other people to hear this podcast, by you giving and supporting to this ministry helps us to get it to more people. And so we appreciate you uh, being able to do those couple of things. Now, let's really dive in, okay? Because I want to ask you a question. I'm wondering how many of you have played the game I call If Only. You think, if only I had such and such, life would be better, easier, or I would be happier, right? How many of you ever played that? If only I had a better job. If only I had more money. If only I had more hair, or at least hair in the right places, right? I've got hair, more hair growing out of my eyebrows and my ears and my back than on my top of my head, right? <laughs> I, I, you, you might be able to relate with me. But if only God would answer this, this one prayer, whatever it is, right? Some ladies might say, well, if only I had a husband. A married lady might say, well, if only I had a husband with a job. Someone else might say, if only I had a husband with a job who, who looked like Brad Pitt, right? Or whoever else, right? I don't know what your only, if only would be, but throughout life, we all recognize that we have these needs. And we tend to think, if only I had whatever it is, life would be so much better. Well, what I want to do today is encourage you to listen to this podcast through, through the lens of your greatest need. Okay, to experience the teaching of God's word, and it's my prayer that God would minister to you in a very, very special way. Okay, so let me set the context for our study, and then we're going to look at our, our main thought. All right, today we're going to see that there were these three kings who joined forces to do battle against the Moabites, three against one, and they thought this should be easy. We have a very distinctive, decisive victory ready to happen, right? But often in life, things do not go as we planned, right? Who knows what I'm talking about, okay? You think you've got it figured out, and whoops, 
These, these things don't turn out the way we thought. And, and that's what happens with these three kings. Instead of winning easily, they find their troops marching for seven days, wandering in the desert, and they realize they are totally and completely out of water. They're about to die of thirst. Their animals are going to die of thirst. They have a very significant need. And the story is going to teach us this principle. Okay, So here's the principle it's going to teach us. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Okay, This will be good news for, for many of you. Okay, So let me say that again. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. All right, so let's read our text and let's bring to light this very powerful truth, okay? We're in 2 Kings chapter 3, uh, starting with verse 9. Here's what it says. So the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Edom set out. After they had traveled their indirect route for seven days, they had no water for the army or the animals with them. Then the king of Israel said, oh no, the Lord has summoned these three kings only to hand them over to Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Let's inquire of the Lord through him. One of the servants of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, who used to pour water on Elijah's hands, is here. Now, if you missed last week, Elijah mentored Elisha. And if you know about the prophet Elijah, when the nation was in a great drought, he called on God and God sent rain from a cloud that started the size of a hand and brought one of the biggest storms from that smallest cloud. And so they're thinking, wow, if Elijah did that, maybe Elisha can help us uh, as well, right? So let's read on. We're in verse 12. Jehoshaphat affirmed, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to him. Now, let's make sure we all know what's going on here, okay? The three kings are going to go to battle against the Moabites, and they're going to win easily but they do not, and they find themselves in big danger because they're out of water, right? Now, what you may not know is that these three kings were not serving God. They were not seeking God, and all of a sudden, when they're in trouble, they do what a lot of us do when we're in trouble, right? Oh, hey, God, I'm in trouble. Uh, Can you help us, right? I'm, I'm so in trouble. Can you help us now? And so they said, if there's anybody who's like really in good with God, anybody who can do a little rain dance for us, pull some spiritual strings or whatever, And they said, oh, yeah, there's Elisha, the prophet. Maybe he can help us out. And surely they had heard about the miracles that Elisha was doing in his rookie year prophet, right, as a prophet. He had already separated the Jordan, which was very impressive. Another time he spoke to a polluted spring of water, and he healed the water so you could drink from it. And another thing he did was some young boys were making fun of him because evidently he didn't have a lot of hair. And the young boys were calling him, Baldy, Baldy, Baldy. Elisha lost his cool and summoned two bears out of the woods, and the bears destroyed the boys. That's in your Bible, by the way. I'm not making that up, okay? You can't make that up. So here's my encouragement to you, okay? You should also never make fun of a bald guy, okay? Because you may never know how much faith that guy has and how close a bear might be. Just pointing something out, okay? And so, so they're like, Elisha, can you help us out? Well, what do you think Elisha is going to do? Well, let me tell you what he's going to do. He actually is going to cop an attitude. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. He's like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it, guys. You want to ignore God, but now you're in trouble, and you want some God action. Well, fine. I'm going to be a smart aleck to you. I'm going to cop some attitude to you. And that's what he does. So he cops this attitude, and you may say, well, where did he learn this from? 
And honestly, he learned it from his mentor, who was the king of attitude. One time, Elijah, his mentor, went to 450 false prophets who, who worshiped the false god Baal. And he said, let's have a little contest. Let's see how big your God is. We'll get two bowls. You kill one, I'll kill one. We'll make a couple of altars. You call on your God to send fire from heaven. If your God doesn't and my God does, then you worship my God. And if your God does and my God doesn't, we'll worship your gods. Okay, let's go, boys. Let's, let's bring this on, all right? And so these false prophets, they call on God, send fire, send fire, send fire, and nothing's happening. And Elijah is back there just laughing. Come on, he said. Maybe you should shout louder. Maybe your God's deaf. Maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe your God is sleeping and he can't hear you. Okay? That's in the Bible. I'm not making this up. That's what Elijah does. And so Elisha does what Elijah did. He gets an attitude. And watch what he does. Here's what he says in verse 13 through 14. However, Elisha said to King Joram of Israel, what do we have in common? Go to the prophets of your father and your mother. But the king of Israel replied, no, because it is the Lord who has summoned these three kings to hand them over to Moab. And Elisha responded, by the life of the Lord of armies, before whom I stand, if I did not have respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah, I would not look at you. I would not take notice of you. And so he's saying to the two kings, okay, Jehoshaphat, he's not serving God, but he did at least one time fear God. And so if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't have even time to pay attention to you other two. That's what I think about you. But because Jehoshaphat's here, I've decided to help you out. You need a prophet. I'm your prophet. And then in verse 15, he, kind of, he makes this demand. He says, now bring me a musician. He says, okay, boys, if you want me to prophesize, I need some good mood music, right? Give me some music. You know, I'm, I'm, play me some music if I'm going to prophecy, right? Which is, which is kind of funny to me, but it kind of makes sense. You may say, well, that's really demanding, but the reality is this was not an uncommon practice for prophets to do. There's something about when you worship God through music and inhabits praises of his people. For, for those of you who are followers of Christ, there's, there's something special that, that happens when your heart drifts towards him in adoration and praise and worship, right? In fact, when I prep uh, messages or, you know, like these podcasts and things, I put worship music on, and, and it helps me to connect with God. Sometimes when I'm praying for something really big, I just want my faith to grow, I, I will put some worship music on, and it connects me with God. And so that's what Elisha does. He's like, bring a musician, play an instrument, you know, do something. And so these three kings, and they're, they're like, okay, we know what's going to happen here, right? We've seen this before. He's, he's, he's going to get in this great connection with God. He's playing some music. He's really going to bring it. Okay? He's going to give us a word of encouragement. He's going to tell us God is going to send some rain. I can feel the music. This is going to be good. And, and so what does he do? Does he bring them a word of encouragement? No. He gives them a ridiculous command. Let's read what he does. Verses, part of 15 and 16. While the musician played, the Lord's hand came on Elisha. Then he said, this is what the Lord says. Dig ditch after ditch in this wadi. Now, you might be asking, what's a wadi? Uh, wadi is a dried up, like a rocky water source. Okay? It hasn't seen water in a long, 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 long time. It's, it's just you know, barren, dry, rocky uh, valley type of thing. Okay? And, and so they're like, well, wait. I thought God was going to make it rain. 
and we're going to take our shoes off and we're going to run through the puddles and we're going to enjoy the rain. And you're telling me when my troops are about to die of thirst that you want them to do manual labor under the hot desert sun. And Elisha is like, that would be a yes. <laughs> okay. I want them to dig some ditches. Well, but there's no sign of rain anywhere. We're in a severe drought. And Elisha's like, yeah, I know. I want you to dig some ditches. And we're going to see that your greatest need often becomes your greatest blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Okay? So let's read on, verses 17 and 18. For the Lord says, you will not see wind or rain, but the wadi will be filled with water and you will drink, you and your cattle and your animals. This is easy in the Lord's sight. He will also hand Moab over to you. In other words, you have no idea how powerful, how strong, how mighty our God is. At the snap of the finger, our God can do this. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, and by the way, you know that thing you wanted, the other thing? He's going to do that as well. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. But first, I want you to dig some ditches. There's there's the context of the story. And what I want to do the rest of our time together is I want to to try to apply this directly to our lives, okay? What does this mean for us today? And so our subtitle that we're going to call this is Faith That Works, okay? Everybody say they have faith that works, right? Now, there's a play on words here that is intentional. I'm talking about faith that is effective, okay? It's effective. In other words, faith that moves the heart of God and it invokes a response from God, okay? I'm talking about a faith that, that works, okay? At the same time, I'm not just talking about faith that is effective, but I'm also talking about a faith that is active, okay? Like faith that works. Faith does something, right? It, it does something. It works. Faith that so believes that God is going to act, that we act and take a step towards God, believing that God is going to take a step towards us, okay? Let me, let me kind of give you two principles of faith that works, okay? The first one, this, this is, to me, is so good, I, I don't know if you're going to be able to contain yourself, okay? The first one is only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Okay, let me say that again. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Here's what James says in James 2.26. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also is faith without good works. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants to see your faith. He wants you to dig a ditch. And do you really think that God, that the God of the universe... The God that created everything needed these boys out there digging a ditch. No, God can do anything, right? He didn't need them to do that. But instead, it's almost as if he was saying, you show me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. God loves to see our faith. All over the New Testament, you'll see it again and again and again. Bible will say, when Jesus saw their faith, well, how did you see the faith? You see faith in action. When Peter was on the boat and said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come and I'll come. And Jesus said, come. And so what did Peter do? He got out of the boat. That's when you see faith. In the New Testament, there was a guy with a withered hand. What does Jesus say to him? He says, stretch out your hand. In other words, I can heal you, but I want to see you believe it. Okay. Another time in the Bible, there was a guy who couldn't walk for years and years and years. And Jesus looks at him and says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. I'm going to heal you, but I'm not going to pick you up. I want you to see, I want to see you have the faith to believe that what I said was true. Get up. Only God can send the water, but sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. I believe there are too many people that are just waiting for God to show them his faithfulness, but they're not showing God any faith. You take a step of faith, right? For example, if you want to quit smoking, 
Maybe you just throw your cigarettes in, in the garbage uh, today at some point, and you say, you know what? There's some faith. I'm getting rid of those things. You want to heal a relationship that's gone bad. You may forgive before someone else even asks for forgiveness or, or treat someone with love when all they're doing is being ugly to you. Well, what's that? You're digging a ditch. I know a lot of people that are like, I want my kids to serve Jesus and be strong Christians. And they never open up the Bible in their own home to share God's word with their kids or, or never pray with their children. It's like, you want some water? We'll dig a ditch. Be a godly parent. Do something. People say, I want more money. I want more money. And yet, they do not tithe. God gives us a ridiculous principle. And yes, to the human mind, totally absurd and ridiculous. And, and that is, if we give him our first and our best, he will bless the rest. And those of you who are tithers, you know the supernatural power of God, that 90% with his blessings goes further than 100% without. It is crazy, but it's true. What are you doing at this point? You're digging a ditch. Only God can send the water, but what do you need to do? He wants you to dig a ditch, okay? The second principle is this. Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. Let me say that one again, okay? Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. I know too many people who call themselves Christians that are not thinking big enough. We serve a God who can do exceedingly and abundantly more than all you can ask, think, or imagine. It's time to think big. We serve that big of a God. I know just as many who think big, and yet at the same time, they are not willing to start small. Think about this. How do you dig a ditch? In the ninth century, when, when we're talking about digging a ditch, right? How did they dig a ditch? They took one shovel load of dirt at a time. One shovel load at a time. What do you do? You start small. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small things, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Sometimes you have to start small. There may be some of you, you've got a big vision, and, and where are you going to start? You're going to start small. You're going to start with what is in front of you. You're going to be faithful with what God has given you. In fact, I want to tell you a story about a girl named Savannah who wanted to do something very special to help families who had special needs children. And what she realized is, is there, that there were these families who cannot go to church because their needs of their family are greater than the ability of the church uh, to handle, to meet. And so these families either didn't go to church or they would go to church separately, like mom would go one week, dad would go the next or whatever, okay? And she thought, well, someone needs to do something about it. There are so many like this and I want to make a big difference. But she didn't know how to make a big difference. So guess what she did? She started small. She found one family and said, hey, can I help take care of your son so you can go to church together? And they said, sure. And, they be and she became part of the family and, and helped them out. And people saw what she was doing and thought, man, I'd like to do that as well. And then the families with children similar to this, they, they know each other and they started talking. And soon there were over 50 people who served over 50 families that can now be a part of a church family because somebody was willing to start small. How do you do something big? You start small. And so I want to encourage you to think big, but be willing to start small. Because only God can send the water, right? But he wants you to dig the ditches. You say, God, I believe you can. And then you start where you are. God loves when we participate in his miracles. He can see our faith. Because faith without works is absolutely dead. Let's read um, our last verse today. It's still, we're still in 2 Kings Chapter 3, verse 20. I want you to pay attention to this. It says, About the time for the grain offering the next morning, water suddenly came from the direction of Edom and filled the land. 
Only God can send the water. But sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Some of you right now, you've got a significant need in your life, and you think, if only, if only God would meet that need, if only God would answer that prayer. Don't ever forget that your biggest need can become your biggest blessing when it drives you to depend on God, because only God can send the water. But sometimes he wants you to dig a ditch. Real faith believes big, but is willing to start small. I pray for a church full of people who will think big, but start small, believing by faith long before there's a cloud in the sky or any sign of water, that if, that if we'll dig a ditch, God is faithful enough to send the water. Amen. That concludes another episode of Venture Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series of Elisha, A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast and Chandler Acres Ministries, or you'd like to become a patron, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.